Jesus, my Savior, I'm man. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the need on my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy, I am telling. He made all my darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole. <clears throat> Sins were washed away and my life was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Born of the Spirit with life from above into God's family divine. Justified fully through Calvary's love. Oh, what a standing is mine. And the transaction so quickly was made when as a sinner I came. Took on the offer of grace, he did proffer, he saved me, oh, praise his dear name. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Now I've a hope that will surely endure after the passing of time. I have a future in heaven for sure. There in those mansions sublime. And it's because of that wonderful day when at the cross I believe. Riches eternal and blessings supernal from his precious hand I receive. Fill my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. As you can hear, need a little help tonight? 380, 380. Jesus saves, I think, all the dust from the tile and the uh, different workings that we are doing has finally taken its toll. But uh, 380. The joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, bear the news to every land, climb the steep. There's the Lord's command, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Wafted on a rolling tide, Jesus saved. Count the sinners far and wide, Jesus saved, Jesus saved. Singing islands of the sea, the ocean came, a keep. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Now, I can't give the winds a mighty voice, but maybe you can tonight, all right? Let's try that last verse. Give the wind. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free. Hills and deep as is our song of victory. Jesus saved, Jesus saved. And let's try 194. 194. Jesus is coming again. Amen. Marvelous message we bring, glorious carol we sing. 
wonderful word of the King. Jesus is coming again. Coming again. Coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon. Coming again. Coming again. Oh, what a wonderful day it will be. Jesus is coming again. Forest and flower exclaim, mountain and meadow the same. <clears throat> Proclaim, Jesus is coming again. Coming again, coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon. Coming again, coming again. Oh, what a wonderful day it will be. Jesus is coming. Standing before him at last, trial and trouble all pass. Crowned at his feet we will cast. Jesus is coming again, coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon. Coming again, coming again. No wonderful day it will be. Jesus is coming again. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Lord, we thank you and praise you for all the work that has been done. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your love to us. We ask that we would be able to take this time and use it to further our understanding of your word. Lord, let us see Jesus tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, the, believe it or not, the tiling is done. And... Uh, he went, uh, if you want to uh, step on it and inspect it and all those things, you can. Uh, you can go down the stairs and uh, the tile goes into the bathrooms downstairs. And, and uh, there's still a lot of work to be done, but uh, praise the Lord, uh, we are over, uh, I think, the worst part of the renovation. Uh, the only big job that is left that we have to do is the ceiling downstairs. And uh, let's keep all of those things in, in prayer, if you would. Uh, we're going to try to finish up our series on uh, Christ in prophecy, pictures of Christ in the tabernacle. We're going to try to finish up this entire series uh, tonight. We may just do somewhat of a review next Thursday night. We've been 14 weeks, and it doesn't hardly seem like it's uh, been that long, but uh, we've been, uh, according to my records here, 14 lessons in the pictures and, and prophecies of Jesus Christ in the Bible. And, um, of course, we just basically scratched the surface. There's no way that in only 14 weeks we could cover all of these things, but uh, we're going to try to cover uh, tonight, the sacrifices and the feasts that picture Jesus Christ in, in the Old Testament. There's a reason why all of those things are recorded there. And uh, we would also uh, appreciate your prayers tonight as uh, those that are going to uh, Montreal will be uh, leaving as uh, soon as we say amen, goodbye, hop in the van. And uh, we've only got about six, six and a half hours driving tonight. And so uh, pray for us, safety on the road, and um, 
And uh, in fact, we're going back to Brother Monette's church, the group that came down last week and did all the taping and everything in the uh, basement. And uh, last year it was just an incredible uh, meeting, two days, and some of the best uh, preaching. I mean, uh, Brother Ted and Brother Franz will testify. It's like uh, both pastors had been here at Open Door and studied everything that had been going on for six, eight months and then preached about it. And uh, I'll tell you, it was, uh, uh, you know, when that kind of thing happens that the Lord has a message for you. And, and that's one of the reasons why we're encouraging those who can to go with us again. And so pray for us as we drive. We'll be back Saturday night because church is a priority. Amen. And so uh, you pray for safe travels back. And, and uh, believe it or not, we have, uh, there's, no cold, there's no hot water in any of the bathrooms. Uh, Lord willing, we'll get that next week, all right? So just be patient with us as we are uh, in the process of, of renovating, be put, uh, putting all these things together. And uh, so we'll praise the Lord for that. Let's sing one more song. And we'll get into our Bible study tonight, 458, Draw Me Nearer, amen, 458. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to Thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Nearer, 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 blessed Lord, Thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with the steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding Son. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to Thy precious bleeding side. On that last, there are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross a narrow sea. Heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Sing it with me. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Amen. You may be seated. I hope you can put up with this <clears throat> noise of a voice tonight, but it doesn't feel any different to me other than just struggling to get it out. So, But um, we have looked at the furniture and the buildings of the tabernacle and seeing Christ pictured there and all of those things, the high priest. And under the high priest, we actually covered the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the, the feast of the Jewish people. And uh, we'll be alluding just a little bit to that tonight, but not trying to recover that. Uh, 
the place where we're going to start, Exodus chapter 29. If you need an outline, wave your hand there. And um, we had somebody passing them out. Okay, little Wolfie has uh, the masters on the copy machine if we need any more. But uh, this is a good problem to have. I thought I'd run off 25, 30 copies. And uh, Exodus chapter 29. And we're going to spend a few moments on the daily sacrifice. Every morning, every evening, there was a special sacrifice that was offered in the temple beside all of the regular sacrifices. Now, you have heard, uh, if you've been here very long at Open Door, you have heard me refer to the crimson line that started with Adam and Eve. When they had sinned, the Garden of Eden, and it will go all the way through to the Millennial Kingdom, to the great altar in the middle of the earth, in the temple during the thousand-year rule and reign of Christ. And uh, what a wonderful time that will be when the Prince of Peace rules from the City of Peace. There will be no war. The lion will lie down beside the lamb, and the earth will be everything that God intended it to be. The only way it's going to be that way, though, is as Jesus is the King. And no church can do that. Many religions over the years have decided that it was their job to set up Christ's kingdom on earth. Study history. The Protestants tried to do it. The Catholics tried to do it. The Orthodox tried to do it. Guess who's trying to do it now? Islam. They're trying to set up Christ's kingdom. Is it peaceable? Is it freedom? The Bible says if you know the Son, He'll make you free indeed. Amen? But none of those religions had anything to do with freedom. They did not bring freedom. They used armies. They brought oppression, death, and destruction, just as we are experiencing today. Yet the Bible tells us that when Jesus rules and reigns, even the animals are going to be at peace. I'm looking forward to His kingdom, amen? And I am so glad that he has not asked you and I to try to set it up for him. Because we mess everything up, don't we? As human beings, is there anything God has given us that we have not messed up? You've just answered the question, amen? <laughs> I mean, there's nothing that God has given us that we haven't messed up. But one day, Jesus is going to straighten it all out. Boy, I'm looking forward to that. And as we contemplate that kingdom, there is going to be a temple rebuilt. I believe that's Ezekiel's temple. And, and there is in that temple, just as there was in the Old Testament tabernacle, later in Solomon's temple, there was a daily sacrifice. And we read about that in the book of Exodus, chapter 29, starting in verse 38. It says, Now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar... Two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. The one lamb thou shalt offer in the morning, and the other lamb thou shalt offer at even. And with one lamb, a tenth deal of flour mingled with a fourth part of a hen of beaten oil and the fourth part of a hen of wine for a drink offering. By the way, that was not fermented wine uh, because you were not allowed to burn leaven or yeast in the altar. No sacrifices had yeast in them, and you cannot make wine without adding yeast to the wine. Now, of course, the apologists to the day say, well, the yeast is consumed in the making of the wine. Well, wrong. The yeast is there. It's funny, the same people that say the yeast is consumed in the making of the wine uh, hold to the tradition that as Passover week approaches, they have got to sweep and clean 
the cupboards and disinfect the cupboards where they kept leavened bread because there might be a little bit of yeast on the wrapper that is still on the shelf. And so it must be thoroughly disinfected before Passover gets here that they should not have leaven in their house and yet they will have leavened wine on the table. Does that make sense? It sounds like somebody wants a drink awful bad to me. You know, people make excuses for what they want to do. And what we need to do is stop making excuses. Amen? And so this daily sacrifice... By the way, that's free. It's not even in your outline. Just wanted to make sure you got all that. Amen. Uh, added bonus there. Now, let's move on. And it says, And the um, other lamb thou shalt offer it even. Thou shalt do thereunto, thereto according to the meat offering of the morning and according to the drink offering thereof for a sweet savor an offering made by fire unto the Lord, this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord where I will meet you to speak there unto you. And I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of congregation and the altar. I will sanctify both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Now, the significance of this daily sacrifice is just given to us right here. God said, you're going to offer this sacrifice every day, every morning, and every evening. Now, I want you to stop and realize this, the, the process of sacrifice. A lamb is a very small animal by the, the size of animals. But this lamb was to be cut up, its blood was to be poured out about the base of the altar, and that entire lamb was to be burnt on that offering. Now, ladies or men, how many of you have ever burned a piece of meat? Like a little steak or something like that. Fills the whole house full of smoke. But I dare say, Anyone here has burned a whole steak to ashes. Now, have you? If you did that in your kitchen, you did a whole lot of other things too. Uh, like the stove and the countertop and probably the rest of the house. Uh, that is not something that just disappears. I mean, we've been out camping and different things and, and, and something falls off the grill into the fire. You can't get rid of that thing in a few minutes. It takes quite a while and a very hot fire even to burn up a nice cut piece of meat. We're talking about an entire lamb here. That fire burned exceeding hot and long. In fact, when the priest... The last thing he would do as the sun is setting is he would put the fire on... the. He would build up the fire that was on the altar, left over from the sacrifices of the day. And he would get that fire going. And the first thing in the morning he would do would be to restir the embers of that fire. He was not allowed to kindle a new fire on the altar. The altar was supposed to stay continually burning from the fire it was already there. Read Leviticus chapter, um, I believe it's Leviticus chapter 10. Uh, we have Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu. Yes, Leviticus chapter 10. They offered strange fire from before the Lord and the Lord consumed them. 
this fire was to be burning on this altar continually. In fact, in Jewish history, there, according to their history, not necessarily recorded in the Bible, but that fire was kindled by God on that altar, and it was to be kept continually burning. And according to their tradition, it was until Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed the Jewish temple. That fire was rekindled in the days of Nehemiah. And that fire did not go out until the Roman armies of Titus destroyed Jerusalem and ended the sacrifice. That fire was to be continued. It's a picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, if your salvation was dependent upon what you do, then this continually burnt offering, daily offering, would have really no symbolism or no reality to it. But the fact that this burning was a continually daily thing, in, in essence, as far as we human beings are concerned, it, it was something that never stopped. It continued in, in, in picture, not in reality, because that fire was put out. It was an eternal situation, much like... Uh, I took the brother Sam and his son Patrick. Uh, they hadn't seen the Statue of Liberty. They went down Sunday afternoon and they got lost and had 10 minutes of ground zero and couldn't even walk down to see the statue. So we went down there and I showed them the sphere from the World Trade Center and in front of it is an eternal flame. Now, we know that's not an eternal flame, but it is a picture of the spirit of the people of New York City and their desire to keep going. This altar, this continual sacrifice morning and night is a picture of what Jesus has done. Now, praise God, Jesus only had to do it one time. Amen. He did not do it over and over again. Jesus did it once. But every lamb, one in the morning and one at night, for hundreds of years, it was somewhere around, let's see, Abraham was uh, 2200 B.C. and then we have about 500 years, about 1800 B.C. till the year... 600 and what was it 636 BC when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem and stopped there 606 actually when he destroyed the the temple that's over 1200 years that fire burned it is a picture of Jesus Christ because his sacrifice is complete. Now I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation. I wish we could spend all night in Revelation chapter 5. I love this chapter. Revelation chapter 5. And we're going to skip down through the first few verses here, but the painting, the picture that is being told us here was God is sitting upon the throne. All this praise is is being given to God and he is holding in his hand a book. That book is sealed and no one can even look upon the book, let alone take it out of the hand of God to open it. And here we have verse 4, it says, And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open the book and to read the book, neither to look thereon. <coughs> Excuse me. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, now look where this is. In the midst of the throne. Now, wait a minute. There was someone sitting on the throne, amen? But in the middle of the throne. 
with God the Father sitting on that throne. It said, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood what? A lamb. As it had been slain. That lamb was prepared for the sacrifice. Every Jewish person knew what a lamb that was prepared for sacrifice looked like. And that's what Jesus looked like when he appeared in Revelation chapter 5. A lamb as if it had been slain. And it said, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials of, full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Incense. Now, you'd be careful buying your little incense sticks and burning them all over the house. Those, those things have religious significance to them in many instances. Incense is a picture in the Bible of our prayers. Now, that doesn't mean you're sinning if you burned a cinnamon stick in your house or something like that, but just be careful of how you do that and... And, and what you're doing, it says, And they sung a new song, and the praise and the worship to the Lord. I wish we had time to go through all of this. But that lamb was in the morning. That lamb was in the evening. The fire was kept burning all night by the sacrifice of the evening sacrifice, or that lamb. That fire would be kept burning all day by the morning sacrifice. And if you remember back to our time when we went through the tabernacle, it is the fire on, the ta on that brazen altar that it, it is the picture of the death of ourself and our wishes and our desires, the total surrender of ourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we need is we need to remember the Lamb. His sacrifice was done one time, book of Hebrews chapter 9. But as far as God is concerned, it is all that needs to be done. Amen? And we look to Him. And in the book of Revelation, at the end of all things, as we have Jesus appearing, is it a coincidence that he appears as the sacrificial lamb? Absolutely not. He is reminding us that he is the one who paid the price, who took upon him God's judgment for all of our sins. And what is that little book that he takes out of the hand of him that sits on the throne? It is the book of God's judgment upon this earth. And it is Jesus who will break the seals. And we've gone through the book of Revelation verse by verse. And we went through those seals and all of God's judgment. And I'll tell you, it's, it's an unbelievable. Somewhere between two-thirds and three-quarters of the world's population is destroyed in less than seven years according to what the Bible says. It is called... And no wonder it's called the Great Tribulation. Jesus, who took God's judgment for us, the picture of the daily sacrifice, the consuming of that sacrifice on that altar, and he gives to us who have believed on him freedom, and those who have rejected him judgment. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 12. The three main feasts 
of the Jewish calendar year is the Feast of the Passover, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of the of the of the Tabernacles or Trumpets. Now we're going to go to uh, Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to look at the Feast of the Passover. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us that Christ is our Passover. And uh, we look at chapter 12 here, and uh, verse 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation, saying, In the tenth day of this month... They shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and upon the upper doorpost of the house, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all. That means boiled with water, but roast with fire. His head, with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it unto the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations ye shall keep it a feast by ordinance forever. And uh, we'll go on there, but we just want to stop here. And I want to read enough of the passage so that you can get the whole picture of what was going on here with Passover. This was the last plague that God put upon the kingdom of Egypt. Now you need to remember and understand the culture and historical setting of this. Egypt of Moses' day was the United States of today. It was the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. There was no competitors. It was the one world superpower. It was at the zenith of the power of the nation of Egypt that all of these things happen. Archaeologists can't identify the Pharaoh of the Exodus. Now here's why. Because they don't want to believe that what the Bible said really happened. Now, I don't claim to be an Egyptologist and I don't know how to pronounce all those names and I don't even remember them and just to be honest with you, I'm not all that impressed by the pharaohs of Egypt, amen? But I sure do love the God of the Bible. And uh, I can't remember the guy's name. You'll have to forgive me. We've been uh, rather busy here uh, these last two weeks. But history tells us that the Exodus not history, the Bible tells us the exodus occurred. We can pretty much pick the date. And it just happens that I believe 
The guy's name was Tutmosis III, which was the most powerful pharaoh in the history of Egypt. History tells us that he was not succeeded by his firstborn son. And that after his reign, Egypt basically went into a period of dark ages where nobody knew anything that went on in the land of Egypt for nearly a, a century after the reign of its greatest king. Everything just kind of disappeared. The records go dark. Now, the Egyptians, they had a wonderful tradition. When anything bad happened, they didn't write it down. They only wanted good things in their history. That's what the history book I read said. And uh, isn't it interesting? The most powerful king was not succeeded by his firstborn son, and that Egypt just kind of disappeared off the face of the map for a generation or two after this greatest king. Boy, it almost fits the Bible thing to a T, does it not? And yet archaeologists, if there was one here today, he would be arguing with me and he would know how to pronounce all the names. It, it just couldn't have happened the way the Bible said. Says who? Amen? Uh, I'll believe the Bible. And I'll trust the Bible's timetable over anybody else's timetable. But God, the last plague, was called Passover because God sent His angel throughout that land. And every firstborn of every family died that night. God effectively wiped out the bloodline of Egypt as it is carried from the firstborn son to the next generation. He went through and did the same thing with the animals. The only way you could avert God's judgment was to follow this ritual and paint the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your house. It was that night in the middle of the night that Pharaoh's messengers came and they literally said, you're getting out of here tonight. You're not going to be here tomorrow morning. It says we all be dead men. Read the story in the Bible. They forced them out of the land of Egypt. It is called Passover because wherever that angel saw the blood, it says when I see the blood, I will pass over you. We sing that song. When I see the blood, page, I believe it's 130 in your hymn book, something like that, or 139 is what it is. And uh, yet, Jesus is our Passover, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It is His blood that must be applied to the doorpost of our heart that bring us salvation. And by the way, no church, no person, no authority outside of God Himself has the right to apply that blood to your life for you. You must go to God directly and get that thing taken care of for you. And all God's people said, isn't that a wonderful truth? I am so glad that I can tell you tonight, I do not dole out your salvation. You go directly to Jesus. He will save you. And He is our Passover. In fact, if you want an interesting little tidbit of information, if you've ever met a Bible corrector, someone that does not like your old King James Bible... One of the first places they will go is Acts chapter 12 and verse 4 where it says that Herod kept Peter unto Easter. They say the Greek word is Pasha, Passover. It is translated Passover everywhere else in the Bible. It must be Passover. Well, read the text, my friend. It said, then were the days of unleavened bread. Who knows what the first day of unleavened bread is? Passover. Passover was already passed. So if he was going to keep Peter till Passover, he had to keep him for another year? Mm -mm. 
the simplest definition of the word Easter. I know that it has to do with the rabbit that lays eggs and all of those goofy uh, traditions and, and uh, false religion. But the simplest definition of the word Easter in the English language, my friend, is what? The celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Is it not? It fits, doesn't it? The early church used the word Passover to when they talked about commemorating Jesus' resurrection for nearly three centuries. And so your Bible is absolutely correct when it puts the English word Easter in there referring to the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We prefer to call it Easter Sunday, or, I mean, uh, Resurrection Sunday, but it's, it's not wrong to refer to it as Easter. In fact, you look at it in all your calendars, Easter Sunday. Now, if you follow the Orthodox calendar, you'll have one date. If you follow the Western calendar, you'll have another date. If you follow the Baptist calendar, guess what? Every Sunday is Easter. Amen. Because we remember Christ's resurrection from the dead every time we come together and assemble as a church. He is our Passover. It is His blood that has paid the price and God's judgment passes over me because I'm protected by the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love that. We could spend all night right there, but we got one more to get in before the end here. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23. Now, many of these feasts are, are connected, interconnected with each other. Now, we're going to, before we get into this last one that we're dealing with, I just want to make a simple uh, observation here. We've, we have skipped over the Feast of Pentecost. You have Passover, Pentecost, and then the Day of Atonement are the three great feasts. Now, there are other things like this Feast of the Trumpets that we have here that are associated with the Day of Atonement and with the Feast of Tabernacles. You have the uh, Passover is associated with the Feast of first fruits, And Pentecost is kind of by itself, it is the Feast of Harvest. Now, the reason why we have not talked about the Feast of Pentecost and are not going to spend much time other than just a few sentences right now is Pentecost is the picture of the church. It was actually the Feast of Pentecost where Peter preached the first gospel message to the Jewish people. Key number one. Somebody, is, if Jesus said, I give unto thee the keys of the kingdom to Peter. Somebody said, Peter's waiting at the gate to let me in. No, that's not how the keys go. Only Jesus lets you in. Amen? It's the blood that is applied to your life. Peter preached the first gospel message on Pentecost. Key number one. Acts chapter 10, he preached the first gospel message to the Gentile. Key number two, the doors are open. That's all you need to worry about. Amen? Peter used the keys that Jesus gave to him. And don't worry about any other keys. Until you get to the book of Revelation, Jesus said, I have the keys of death and hell. Not Peter. Because Peter didn't die on the cross. Jesus did. And God is not giving his power to any human being. I don't care what anybody says. It belongs to God, not to men. Oh, but, but his, his representative here on earth? Um, does anybody know what the body of Christ is? It's his church, amen? Because he wants it to do things. Amen? When's the last time you had something invisible accomplish anything for you? Doesn't work that way. It's got to be real to get something done. 
It's got to be visible. It's got to be connected. Pentecost is a picture of the church. Now, we're going to go to the Feast of the Trumpets here. And uh, we're going to start in Leviticus chapter 23, verse uh, 24. <clears throat> it says, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets and holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And so... The first day of the seventh month, this is known today as Rosh Hashanah or Rosh Hashanah, depending on who you talk to and how they pronounce it, New Year. The first day of the seventh month is the Jewish celebration of the New Year. And you say, no, wait a minute, Pastor, you just read that Passover was supposed to be the beginning of the year. Well, the Jewish people had two calendars. They had two New Year's. One was the first of the month that Passover came. The other was the first of the month that the Day of Atonement came. And uh, it would be the first day of the month was the Feast of the Blowing of the Trumpets. It was the beginning of their year. And in that was also the announcement there would be nine more days to the Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur, you better get ready. Yom Kippur was the beginning of the Feast of Tabernacles. All of these things were connected to each other. They were all held together. This was their holy season. There was time to prepare. It is absolutely amazing and interesting and, and uh, very uh, educational to understand that they had this thing of the blowing of the trumpets. The trumpets again were to blow once every 50 years. On the 10th day, on the Day of Atonement, the trumpets would be blown the second time. It would be the beginning of the year of Jubilee or the year of freedom, the year of release. If you, uh, you really never sold your property in the land of Israel, if it was inside the city, you had you could, but if it was your family inheritance, as Joshua uh, divided up the land of Israel, that inheritance was yours uh, forever, basically. And if you sold that, you could sell it for up to 50 years. You actually leased your property and you were supposed to judge it. If you sold yourself into servitude, they had a a program set up in the Bible. You couldn't pay your bills. You couldn't uh, provide for yourself. You would find somebody who was doing a little better and you'd say, listen, I want to sell my services to you for the next seven years or, or so. But this, when this year of Jubilee came up, all that was done away with. All the property came back to the family to which it was given by Joshua. All of the agreements and contracts and everything was erased and set free. Now, when you got down to Jesus' day, some of those scribes and Pharisees were doing some pretty interesting things with the year of Jubilee. They were making contracts, maybe not even with uh, Jewish people. And then when the trumpet sounded, Oh, it's the year of Jubilee, I'm free. See you later. Take off. And, uh, or take the property back or any of these things and, and use this to cheat people. God wasn't very pleased with that, my friend. But this idea of freedom from bondage, freedom from obligation, freedom from debt, all of these things were surrounded by this feast that began with the blowing of the trumpets. Does anybody know when we're going to hear the trumpet next? Amen. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, if you're not really familiar with the Bible, this may sound a little strange. And uh, I've had people say, Pastor, that sounds a little loony to me. I just believe the Bible. Amen. 
And uh, Jesus told his disciples as he ascended into heaven, 40 days after his resurrection, the angels told them, in like manner as you've seen him go, he's coming again. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15 describes this. We're going to start reading verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye when at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed, set free from this mortal life. Boy, it sounds just like what happened in the Old Testament, doesn't it? This has not happened yet. We're still stuck here. We still have to put up with everything we have to put up with to live on planet Earth and, and in the wonderful city God has given us called New York. You just got to put up with some things to live here, don't you? And uh, that's just part of living. But one of these days the trumpet's going to sound. Guess what? I'm going to be set free. I'm going to receive in full the salvation that was paid for on the cross because my sin nature is going to be gone. This, this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. Amen? Uh, you read in First Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, With the trump of God, Jesus is sounding the trumpet. This, this feast that was supposed to be celebrated every year by the Jewish people, beginning with the sounding of the trumpet, was talking about the start of a new year. When we hear the trumpet, it will be the start of a new existence, one without sin. Amen? When we hear that trumpet sound, we're going to be changed. And I, I really hope the Lord lets us make a big mess on the way out of here. Amen? I just want to catch as many ceiling timbers as I can on the way up, leave a big hole in the roof. I want somebody to know that I've been here. Amen? And, uh, and I'm not going to sign my name on the way out. But... Uh, the truth of the matter is, no matter what happens, I'm going to be with Jesus. Amen. It is going to be the sound of a new life. I won't have to put up with Pete Montoro, neither will the Lord. Amen. We'll be one with him. We'll be past this human existence. Oh, yes. Guess where the first stop we're going to stop? Judgment seat of Christ. We will be judged. For the works that we have worked. Day of Atonement. The Feast of Tabernacles. Some of you, <clears throat> if you've ever worked around the church, some of you know about the little, uh, it's called a shanty out back, a little shack out back. And that's really the only storage place we have in the building at this time. And it's just stuff full of everything and anything. And it's dirty and nasty out there but when we first moved into the building they had all these little fruits and things stung, strung up from the ceiling in there little plastic grapes and oranges and, and we were sitting there just what in the world is going on and they had the roof rigged up to where you could actually crank a handle and the whole roof would lift up and it'd be an open air uh, thing, and uh, we, I began to ask some of the the men from the synagogue. I said, "What in the world is that contraption out back?" And oh, that was, and they had a different name for it, but uh, that was to celebrate the feast of tabernacles because you were supposed to cut down branches and dwell in a booth. And, and we don't have time to go through it all tonight, but the feast of the tabernacles was to remind the children of Israel that they had once wandered in the wilderness and lived in tents. The old songwriter wrote a song, said, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And I can't remember the rest of the words, but they're good. And it's an enjoyable song to sing. Sometime we'll have to get the words and put them on the overhead and learn them on Sunday morning for Sunday school. But... Uh, the Feast of the Tabernacles was to remind us that our dwelling here is temporary. It is movable. But when we leave this world, it's going to be permanent forever. 
for all eternity. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time tonight. And, and Lord, I thank you for the patience of those that are here. And, and we were able to get through this study tonight and, and look at these things. And, and Lord, I just feel like I've left so many questions unanswered. And, and uh, we can't cover everything, but I pray that the message would have been uh, clear of the, these pictures of Jesus Christ, the daily sacrifice forever, the Passover, protection from God's judgment, and the Feast of Trumpets, Jesus is coming again. Lord, I pray that we would lay these great truths up in our hearts and that we would live each day in the light of the pictures of Jesus that are in your word. Give us grace to be your servants. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer tonight, let's just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed right where we are. And if you need to step out and come and spend a few moments at an old-fashioned altar, now is the time to do that. Just step out and come.